It's been a while since I told my story about why I became a private investigator, what finally moved me to action. I was feeling restless, and I wanted to make a bigger impact on the world, or at least my little corner of it, and I'll bet you do too. True crime stories have always fascinated me, and one was unfolding right next to me. A young woman was kidnapped, sexually abused, and murdered, and all I could think was, what if that was my daughter? Hey, everybody, welcome to The Unlovely Truth. I'm your host, private investigator, Lori Morrison, and I'm going to bring you another story from the world of true crime. And then we're going to see where it intersects with our faith. I hope that you'll want to answer a calling that I believe every Christian has, to be a different kind of PI, a person of impact. Near the end of the podcast, we'll talk about a really simple and practical way to do that. So be sure to stick around. This is Season 3, Episode 16. Our book this week is I Have the Right To by Chessie Prout and Jen Abelson. Our guest is Jamie Kirshner, podcast host, Christian teen life coach, and keynote speaker. Jamie's passion is to help teen girls overcome real-life challenges that they face every day in a way that helps them stay true to who God created them to be. This episode does discuss sexual assault. So please, use discretion when deciding to listen. Remember what it was like to be a teenager? I know that I felt like I could trust my friends, my teachers, and the administrators at my school. My future seemed so full of promise. Do you remember feeling like that? Well, that's exactly how Chessie Prout felt as a 15-year-old high school freshman in 2014. She had no idea that she would suddenly be dragged into a scandal that caught the entire nation's attention. You can Google her school, St. Paul's School in New Hampshire, and get literally thousands of hits. I put a link in the show notes to a New York Times article about a civil suit against the school that actually called St. Paul's a haven for sexual predators. And as you can probably imagine, it depends on who you ask whether what students called the senior salute was no big deal or was an organized rape club. It helps give us a little bit of context for what actually happened when we stop and realize that St. Paul's is an elite boarding school. So try to imagine your high school self with much less day-to-day adult supervision that I'm guessing a lot of us grew up with. In the spring of her freshman year, Chessie and her classmates started getting these invitations to participate in the senior salute. It was a well-known tradition, and faculty members would even tell the girls that they didn't have to accept these invitations if they didn't want to. So the adults who were supposed to be in charge of these kids' welfare, they knew this was going on. And what was the senior salute? It was where senior boys competed against each other to see just how many freshmen and sophomore girls they could make out with before graduation. Some of them refused to stop at making out. I just want to say thank you. Thank you, thank you to all of you who listen to the podcast, who read the blog on my website, who comment on social media posts, and who share to help spread the word. You guys are the best, and we need to keep this podcast growing so that more and more people can take those tough true crime topics and wrestle through them with their faith and 
so that more families who need our help will get it. So once more, thank you so much for all of your support. Now let's get back to Chessie's story. Chessie turned down her senior salute invitations very gently because she said she didn't want to be rude. I know a lot of us, especially women, are raised, don't hurt people's feelings, don't be rude. But trust me, there are times when it is absolutely okay and necessary to be rude. But when a friend, and I'm doing some air quotes here that you can't see, when this friend of hers convinced her that one of the boys who sent her an invitation was really a nice guy and he just wanted to spend time with her, Chessie felt flattered and she did agree to meet with him. Like a lot of us did when we were that age, she thought she could handle anything. And she really, really believed that if she started to feel uncomfortable, she could just leave. Now, I know that you and I can see where this is going. But let's remember that Chessie had only just turned 15. Did any of us at that age know what we know now? Of course not. And by the time Chessie realized what this boy meant to do to her, it was too late for her to be able to just walk away. When he was done assaulting Chessie and left her behind, she tried to process what had just happened to her. And of course, she was scared, she was hurt, she was confused. And it didn't help as she tried to work through what happened that her attacker very quickly sent her an email telling her that she was an angel. Word spread around campus about what happened, and of course it did, because remember high school? Other girls began to approach Chessie and tell her that her attacker had done the same thing to them. So Chessie told a dorm advisor what had happened, and she used this very neutral-sounding language and terminology to describe what had happened. And they were words that she had been taught by the school to use if she ever needed to describe this sort of situation. And in hindsight, she believes that St. Paul's had students use these certain phrases so that they could get around mandatory reporting guidelines. Chessie made another courageous decision when she went to the hospital for a rape exam and decided to cooperate with police. That may seem like, well, duh, that's what you're supposed to do. But a lot of sexual assaults don't get reported because women are ashamed, women are afraid, they don't think they can handle going through the process. So yes, it was very courageous of Chessie to do this. Unfortunately, that's when things really began to go south, as if what had happened to her wasn't bad enough already. People took sides, and she didn't feel like very many were on hers. A lot of people even blamed her for what had happened. It's a terrible commentary on where we are as a society when it comes to talking about sexual assault. But one of my favorite quotes from this book centers around this when Chessie said that although it took her a while to realize this, she finally saw that rape is not a punishment for poor judgment. Let that sink in. Haven't we all shown poor judgment at least a few times in our lives? I certainly know that I have. The media jumped on this story like my cat jumps on tuna. The district attorney in charge of prosecuting the case, knowing how very difficult acquaintance rape cases are to win, hoped to work out a plea deal. And as if dealing with the prospect of a possible trial wasn't stressful enough for a young teenager, Chessie had to deal with friends who started turning on her and complete strangers who felt the need to make nasty comments online. These two sickening facts remind me of another great quote from Chessie 
that I know is going to resonate with a lot of survivors if you happen to be listening. She said, it was hard to decide who or what was worse, the perpetrators or the people and institutions that protected them. When negotiations for a plea deal broke down, the criminal case against Chessie's attacker went forward. And the trial itself, as so often happens, was like another attack, this time on her character. But there were other, far more positive things happening. Women began writing to Chessie to share their own experiences, and they told her how proud they were that she was taking a stand against sexual violence. When the trial finally ended, the jury found Chessie's attacker not guilty of felony rape. But they did convict him of three counts of misdemeanor sexual assault, one count of endangering the welfare of a child, and one count of what was basically using a computer to entice a child under the age of 16 for sexual purposes. He was sentenced to a year in jail and then several years of probation. Did your jaw just drop? Mine sure did when I read that. He was required to register as a sex offender, but of course he has appealed all of these findings. Chessie's family decided to use civil litigation to try to hold the school accountable for its part in allowing this culture of abuse to exist and even flourish. And of course, that brought more negative attention to the family, but Chessie decided to make something good come out of all of her pain. And she started this campaign called hashtag I have the right to. You can find it on Instagram. I put a link in the show notes to that too. And this campaign encourages young women to express the basic rights that we all should have like the right to defend ourselves and the right to have a voice. What an amazing person of impact Chessie has become. Now it's time to check in with our guest, podcast host and mentor to teen girls, Jamie Kirchner. I am so excited to welcome Jamie Kirshner today. She has got so much great wisdom and insight that I, I'm ready to dive in. How about you? Absolutely. I can't wait for this conversation. All right. Well, I can remember, even though it's been a long, long time since I was a teen girl, I remember that relentless peer pressure to fit in. But you, working in youth ministry now, you know, it's the social media age that that those of us of a certain age didn't really have to deal with. Um, so, you know, tell my generation what we might not understand is different for teen girls today. Absolutely. I think the biggest thing that's different is, you know, the problems aren't different than what they were, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago. They're no different. However, the biggest difference is, is that these girls have at their hands you know, the opportunity with social media, with the internet to, you know, connect with a lot of really crazy people. They have more opportunity to do so. You know, back in our day, even when I was a teen, <laughs> internet was still just kind of coming out. And, you know, I didn't have that opportunity really to get on and meet people I thought who were nice people, kids my age, who, um, who ended up being some sort of predator and like some man who's like 60. We didn't have those problems because we didn't have that technology. And today, I mean, they can create a whole persona, even bring in people alongside of them that are, you know, teens and really start to mess with a lot of this generation. And it's not just girls, it's boys too. They can get caught up in all this stuff that they don't even realize that it's fake, that it's not real. 
and they they're excited about meeting people online that they've never met before. And then they meet them and it's like, this is not what I got myself into. And I think that's where the biggest problem lies is the internet just creates that space where it's a lot easier for predators to step into the lives of these teens. And even when you are talking about real flesh and blood people, not, you know, not a fake profile, even if it's somebody you really actually know and might interact with in the real world, they can still only show you that select amount of information they want to show you. So they're hiding real intentions, perhaps. They're, they're hiding real information about themselves and just putting their best face forward. Absolutely. And like you said, it's even with people that they know, I mean, and when somebody knows you, like when they're around your family, if it's an adult or whatever, if they're around your family, obviously they're not going to come out and say, I'm this creepy person, <laughs> but online, <laughs> True. online, it's like, so the way they do it is so subtle. And I remember being in college and I had this happen to me where there was a teen or not, a, I guess he was a teen, but <laughs> there was this boy who I knew personally. And in person, he wasn't a bad person. I didn't know anything about him. I mean, he was a friend of mine. I didn't know anything bad about him, I guess I should say. But it was amazing how he changed when he was online. And then he mm. could come up with the excuse, oh, I had a friend over. I'm so sorry that he talked to you that way. And it was like, no. <laughs> and it was, it's, it's, yeah, it's absolutely very, it can be with people that you know. And it drives me crazy that the world in general, but even the church, often puts the burden on young women to be responsible for how young men treat them, or even older men. And, you know, why don't we talk to our boys, talk to men, and say, hey, you're responsible for your own behavior, and we need to hold you to a higher standard. Absolutely. And, you know, that's really interesting because I I see so much today that parents have checked out and they don't even talk to their kids about responsibility and taking, you know, responsibility for their actions and things like that. And I think that, yeah, a lot of times, you know, we can look at the girl and say, well, it's your fault. Maybe you dressed a certain way or you acted a certain way, quote unquote, mm -hmm. <laughs> or, you know, it's something that you did that kind of led them on, but there are two sides to everything. And, you know, a lot of times that can be an excuse, but it may not even be the truth. And so, and a lot of times if a man does something to a, a, or a guy does something to a girl, you know, that's not necessarily that girl consenting to that happening. And it is something that is, needs to be talked about more. We need to be talking to our, our kids. I have a 13 year old boy. I have a 14, almost 15 year old girl. You know, I talk to them both about their, their consequences and their choices. And I always tell them, I'm like, you know, you make that choice, you will be responsible for a consequence either way you go. And that's the way it works. You know, in the whole, in the Bible, you know, God says, you know, there will be consequences to your actions, but we don't teach our kids that. And so they go along and they're like, well, there wasn't an immediate consequence to that situation. So I'm good. And they start to step into that. And like, I don't, I don't, I can do whatever I want to do. I don't, it doesn't matter what you have to say, because I'm not going to be responsible for it anyway. I don't know if I even answered your question on that one. <laughs> no, you did. And it, it segues wonderfully into a quote from the book that I just really loved. And it goes like this. It would take me years to accept 
what now seems obvious. Rape is not a punishment for poor judgment. So how do we start a dialogue? How do we talk to people and really change the hearts of those who would really treat a victim, not just of rape, but of any crime? How do we not treat them like they somehow brought it on themselves or somehow got what they deserved? And in essence, excuse the poor behavior of the offender? Yeah, it's a good question. And living through that myself, it was something that was really hard because I didn't tell anybody. I didn't, I made myself feel like it was my fault, even though it wasn't my fault at all. And, you know, I didn't tell anybody. So I didn't have anybody talking to me because I was actually afraid that they would think it was my fault. (laughs) But it was like that self-condemnation of myself. And, you know, what we need are we need people to come alongside these, these girls who have walked through this situation and say, you know what? Maybe we've been there before. Maybe we haven't been there before. And we understand and, you know, start talking to them from a healing perspective. It's happened. There's not much you can do to change what happened in the past, but now we can move on from here and we can heal. What can we do differently so that we make sure that we stay out of those situations next time? You know, and like start, I think education is huge. I think it's huge on both the girls aspect, but also the boys aspect. I think it's huge for everybody. They need to know how do I treat somebody? You know, what is okay and what is not okay? If they say no, I need to learn to listen. You know, I think of like my kids again, <laughs> you know, and my daughter's like telling my son, Hey, I don't want you to do this. And then he pushes the bounds, you know, <laughs> because he's a yeah. boy. <laughs> but you know, like even in those situations, I need to teach my son, Hey, she said, no, you've got to listen to her. And, and they need to learn even from that time, like education is so huge. Why is it important for them to, when they say no, for me to listen and to respect their choices? Why is it important? I think that's the biggest thing. I, being in youth ministry for over 20 years, that's the thing that honestly I've seen transform lives is not just telling them what to do. You can't do this. You can't do this. You got to do this. It's moving past that to the why behind it. Why is it important that I treat a girl with respect? Why is it important that I protect myself and keep myself out of places that are going to hurt me or that can hurt me? Why is it important? Because that's because with a teen, if you tell them they can or can't do something, <laughs> they're going to probably push those bounds because we all have a rebellious streak in us. I, re- yes. I know. I know. As a teen, I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, you told me I can't do that. Watch me. <laughs> Yep. (laughs) So when you talk to them, like the heart behind it, why it's so important to do these things or to not do them, the whole picture, they understand a whole lot better. I remember one time I was speaking to a girl and I had come from that background of, you know, you can't do this, like the rules, all rules. Mm -hmm. And God laid it on my heart one time to explain to her why we had these rules. And the light bulb went on in her and I never had a challenge with her again. And it was just amazing. And I was like, that's the key. <laughs> and it's so important, I think, for first parents, because our kids are our own responsibility. But then the youth groups of the church and the church in general coming alongside and supporting parents, it's important to have those conversations about respect for one another. And like you said, the why behind we do what we do, because in the media, in the culture, in society, what they're seeing is that it's romantic not to take no for an answer. 
I will win you over sooner or later. You don't want to be my girlfriend. You don't want me to hold your hand. You don't want me to kiss you. If I just keep pushing, you'll eventually say yes and you'll be happy you did. Yeah. And you know what? You talk about the culture saying that and like every song almost when it comes into like mainstream music talks about that kind of behavior. We see that in video, like movies. We see it everywhere and we think that that's normal. That's what's supposed to happen. But we don't realize that there are real life people that are walking this earth and it's not just a, a song. It's not just a show. It's real life people and they really do have emotions and hearts and they do have a say. Yeah, I'm going to date myself here, which I tend to do a lot. But when I was growing up, the police were really, really popular. And, you know, I listened to them. I thought, good beat, good tune. Everything's great. Now, as an adult, I look at some of the lyrics of some of those songs. And, you know, I'm going to offend some police fans here, but they're kind of creepy. You know, you think about every breath you take, every step you make, I'm watching you. Okay, the stalker's anthem. That stuff's not okay, but we consider that romantic. So how do we change the conversation? Or is it a matter of just having that conversation? I think it's a matter of having that conversation. I think it's also a matter of changing the conversation. I think it's both. I think that we have got to teach our kids, like I said, what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. We've got to teach them how to respect each other because we live in such a world now that is so selfish. It's only thinking about themselves and what they want. And we have taught our kids to live by their emotions. And maybe there is a young kid who's like, you know what? I feel this way. I'm going to make it happen. And that's not okay because there are two people, at least, <laughs> that are involved in this situation. And the other person may not feel that way. <laughs> and they may not have those same emotions. And so we teach them, hey, live by your emotions. Your emotions are true. Or like, I can't stand this, honestly, personally, the whole my truth thing. Well, my <laughs> truth is, and it's like, I thought God's word was the truth, but <laughs> Jesus is the truth. But, you know, we teach, we teach them that to live by their emotions and to live their truth out. Well, they're not respecting others. That's a very selfish way to live. And so when we fall into that trap and we teach them to live that way, they're not respecting others. They're not thinking about others. They don't care about anybody but themselves because that's what we've taught them. I read a book years ago and it was a very male-centered religious group. And a man just walked up to a woman and said, you know, God told me that you and I were supposed to get married. And she was like, I had never had any interest in this person. I wasn't even sure. I thought this was a nice person. And yet I'd been taught, okay, well, if that's what God told you. <laughs> and, you know, I'm wanting to just beat this book against the wall going, are you serious? No, 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 honey. God would have told you too, if this is what he wanted. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of um, abuse under the guise of religion and, hey, this is this is what God wants for you. Well, God will tell you what he wants for you. I'm not saying that he can't give a word to someone else as confirmation, but he's not going to give a plan for your life to somebody else that he's not given you any notice of. That's, that's right. And a lot of people use that phrase, God told me, even though God never told them, they don't even take time to spend with God. 
you know, <laughs> they use that as a way to manipulate others and get them to do what they want. It's not God, it's your feelings. <laughs> or maybe the yes. pizza you ate for dinner last night. <laughs> well, and, you know, back to our story from, from our book this week, when Chessie was finally ready to tell her story and tell what had happened to her, she began a social media campaign that she called, I have the right to. And then she left that blank so that supporters could fill that in for themselves. So if you if you were talking to one of the teen girls that, that you mentor and that you minister to right now, what kind of things would you tell her she has the right to? Well, she has the right to say no. That's the first thing. She has that right. That is, she does not have to consent just because somebody says it. I think that's huge. I think so many times we're so afraid of hurting people, especially I think as girls, because we have like these thoughts, like we just want people to be happy and we want to help them. And, and so a lot of times we don't say no when we should say no. And it gets us put in positions where it puts us into a bad place. We have the right to say no, we have the right to walk away. You know, that's, that's okay. That is okay to do. And a lot of times it may be a good thing to do. (laughs) You know, those are things that we need to know that we have a voice and it matters but we can walk away from the situation. I remember, like I said, I shared about that guy who was in college with me. You know, I had a right at that point to say, it's not happening. I'm going to stand up for me. Or I could have been like, well, I don't want to hurt his feelings. And I don't want him to, <laughs> all these different things, all these different excuses that, because we don't want to hurt people. <laughs> you know, we want to help people. We don't want to hurt people. And so we feel like, well, I have to do it because otherwise I might hurt them. And that's, we don't, we don't have to do that. That's, we can say no and it's all right. It is always okay to prioritize your own safety, even if it's just emotional safety. If you've, you know, let's say you're out in public and there's a man that is just standing way too close to you, way too close for comfort. It's okay to move away. And if that hurts his feelings, you know what? He'll be okay. You let him worry about himself. And if he continues to crowd you, it's okay to say, you know, hey, I'd, I'd like a little more personal space. Thanks. And again, it's not on you if he can't handle it well. So I hope every woman listening, whether you're a teenager or not, you have the right to protect yourself. You have the right to set boundaries and stand up for them. Yes, absolutely. And you have the right, like you said, to protect yourself. I love that because, you know, I have my daughter right now. She's taking martial arts and she to learn how to protect herself. This world is not getting any better. It's only getting worse. And she needs to be able to protect herself. And there may be a time where you need to to stand up and protect yourself because somebody is not letting you walk away. Somebody is not letting you say no. And that is your, your right to to be able to protect yourself. That is okay. I love that you brought your daughter up because that makes me think, you know, you, there's so many things that we would never allow someone to do to our child or someone to do to our sister or someone to do to our best friend, but we're afraid to stand up when that person is doing it to us. So if you've got that little nagging feeling, oh, I can't say no, or I can't set a boundary here, or I can't speak up for myself, ask yourself. Whatever woman in your life is so important that you would stand up and say it for her, remind yourself that you do that for yourself as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's important. Now, I know that not everyone is called to youth ministry. 
We all have different <laughs> gifts. But I think that there are probably a lot of ways that we can support the youth in our lives that don't mean we have to go be a youth leader necessarily. So share with me some of the ways that just anybody can be supportive, whether it's at church or somebody in your community or it's just somebody in your home. How do we support youth? Well, that's a good question. And I love this question because I do work in youth ministry <laughs> and that teens are my heart. That's what God has made that called me to serve. But one thing that we can do is a lot of people don't support teens anymore. And like I said, a lot of the parents have checked out. They're not there. They're not in their lives anymore. They, they, a lot of parents, even if they haven't checked out, they kind of get confused at how to parent a teen. And so they create, you always hear like there's a gap between parents and kids, but that gap doesn't have to be there. You know, but a lot of times parents are like, well, I need to give them more space. And so I'll back away. And then the kids are like, well, I don't really know how to talk to them anymore because they kind of back, you know, it's like it's a double sided thing. So one of the ways I would just encourage anybody to work with teens is to one, encourage them. If you see them doing something good, stop for a second, say, you know what? Thank you for that. That was really, that was great. Thank you for holding the door open for me or whatever it is. You know, if they were nice to somebody or they paid for somebody's meal or you would stop and thank them for that because our teens need to know that they're supported and that they're loved because all they get from the media. I hear this so many times and I've been in youth ministry. Like I said, for over 20 years, I've heard it over the whole course of the time I've been in youth ministry is teens are the ones causing the problems. And so they get this bad reputation of they're not good. They're only going to grow up to be worse. And so when you see them doing something good, I encourage you step out there and let them know like that you're noticing. And that really, really touches them. But another thing is, you know, if you're in a spot where you can mentor a teen, it doesn't even have to be in youth ministry. It doesn't have to be in a church setting. You know, teens need people to look up to. They need to learn. Like I said, a lot of parents are not in their teens' lives or not involved in their teens' lives. And so they need somebody who is older, who is, you know, more mature, who maybe you know, whatever it is, like you connect with them. Maybe you know how to cook really well and they want to learn how to cook. I don't know. <laughs> you know, like maybe you can bring them in and like say, Hey, let me teach you how to do this. Uh, and so, and that really helps them. It gives them hope for their future because a lot of them are overly anxious. They're overwhelmed. They're lonely. They don't feel like they have anybody. And, you know, they're surrounded by all these people on the internet. But when it comes to real life in person communication, they don't have anybody. And so that's what I would encourage. Just how can you support or mentor another teen that's in your life? That is awesome. I love that. And before we wrap up, I want you to tell all my listeners about your podcast and how they can find it and how they can find you online and connect with you. Absolutely. So Uncommon Teen is the podcast that I have in I love this podcast really because it's something that I wish I had as a teen girl and I never did. But what it is, is I help walk you through real life, well, teen girls, <laughs> I help walk teen girls through real life situations, things that you're facing every single day and how you can overcome them in a way that stays true to who God created you to be. We talk about friends. We talk about bullying. We talk about dating. We talk about loneliness, anxiety. We talk about all these issues that are coming at us. And the world is telling us that we need to do this certain thing about it. But God's word says something completely different. And so we get into the word of God and we learn what does God say and how can I apply it to my life? And so that is the Uncommon Teen Podcast. 
it has been such an honor to get to be a part of it. And um, you can find me on Instagram. That's probably the biggest place you can find me. You can find me under uncommon.teen. Awesome. Well, I will have links in the show notes to make it easy for you. So make sure you check that out. Make sure you share that with the teens that you know in your life that could really benefit from some positivity and a place to just get real about the issues they're facing. Thank you so much for sharing with us today, Jamie. To be really honest, biblical passages about rape in the Old Testament, especially the ones in Deuteronomy, are very hard to read. It seems like women who had been raped are talked about like they're damaged goods rather than violated people. And that was the culture then. And I'm not sure too much has changed in some people's minds. But in the New Testament, Romans 13 verses 1 and 2 make it pretty clear that any type of crime offends God. So let's take a minute to look at those verses. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment upon themselves. So God set over us the authorities who made rape and every other type of sexual abuse illegal. Which brings me to this week's practical action step. It's not hard. It just might be a wee bit uncomfortable. But if Chessie can do what she did, we can make things better for young women in our communities. Are you ready? Good, because here we go. April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month, so now is absolutely the perfect time to begin changing the conversations that we have about sexual assault. I know that you want to be a person of impact, a person who makes a difference in her community. So I hope you're willing to take this step. Speak up when someone says that a woman asked to be sexually assaulted because of where she was, what she was wearing, whether she was intoxicated or whatever else they come up with. No matter what, no woman asks to be violated. And let's talk about news headlines that say something like man accused of having sex with underage girl. If he's a grown man and she's an underage girl, then it's not having sex. It's sexual assault, and we need to call it what it is. And I know that you would never do this next thing that I want to talk about on purpose. But let's be so aware of not glorifying perpetrators. Even though Chessie's attacker's name has been made public, I chose not to use it. He's had enough people say his name in positive ways, so I didn't want to say it at all. And we can also take a moment to think about celebrities, sports figures, people who've been accused and maybe even convicted of rape or some other type of sexual assault, and yet they still have a huge following and lots of influence. So let's take that influence back. Let's not engage with their content, whatever it is. That's also a great conversation starter to talk about changing the way that we discuss sexual assault. And if you're really passionate about this topic, you'll probably want to listen to an earlier episode I did on rape culture on a college campus. There's a link to that episode in the show notes as well. And while you're there, if you sign up for my email list, you're going to get a free copy of a resource for your journey as a PI, a person of impact. It'll help you get started on something I know you want to do, and that's to be the hands and feet of Jesus as you help your community be a safe and healthy one. The Unlovely Truth is written and produced by me, Lori Morrison. 
Music is by Neil Cortex and artwork is by Shelby Highland. See you all next time. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app.